Here comes the biggest news ever. Trek Off the Motion Picture is available on Amazon Prime. That's right. The movie version of the podcast you're listening to. An actual movie. A motion picture on Amazon Prime. Available in the United States and the UK. Just go on Amazon and search for Trek Off. The word Trek Off. One word. And you can watch us. If you don't have Amazon Prime, you can you can like rent us or buy us. We're available on DVD on Amazon. But like streaming on Amazon Prime. And listen, please watch because it really helps us out. And share it. Give us good reviews. And share it on your Facebook page stuff, man. I'm just excited. Check out the motion picture. Warning, the following contains plot spoilers and naughty language. That means explicit content. And the comments and opinions expressed herein are for entertainment and commentary purposes only and may not reflect the actual opinions of Geeks Radio or the individual hosts. So don't get mad. It's just a show. It's time for Trek Off. Set phasers to love. Welcome to my name's Justin. And my name's Alexia. And hey, um, just as we did with uh with uh Awesome Con, um, we're gonna post this one right away. Um we're gonna we'll, we're recording this on the twenty eighth of uh June. Uh we just posted one last night, which means we're probably gonna post this right around uh July uh July third or fourth. Um so hey, happy That's independence. That's a time for us to celebrate the independence day. Happy Independence Day, but happy not Independence day. day resurgence because you know Fuck no, that movie. Not that uh, one. Have you seen the it original. now that it's out on on Netflix or whatever? Is it on Netflix? It's either on Netflix or Amazon Prime, but it's on one of the two of them, I think. Really? No, I think I have so. Not. I did not. Uh, I did not know that. You know, I might have. I mean, hated like I'll less. watch it or whatever. I'm clear that it's yeah. probably. That it's I might like have hated good. it less had I not had to pay for it. Right. Yeah. Like, like, like I can have... imagine. Like th- definitely, I, I notice a difference. You know, get off my lawn. Uh, like now that you know, when you're older, it's like you're the one who has to pay. Like when you were a kid, yeah. and your parents just took you to see some sure, just gave you money to go to the movies. You might be irritated or like this wasn't very good, man. Well, but for me, for when me, you have that financial um, investment as well. Well, I even you made you a larger investment worse. in that. In that, I like you know wanted to you know show it to my to my ten year old. And so I showed him the first Independence Day, and he liked it. And then, of course, because that movie's fucking awesome. And then we went out to see the second one, and you know that means I'm paying for my ticket and his ticket, right? And and that means I got to get his candy as well and his thing. So by the time like we both go, that's like sixty bucks. Exactly. You know? That's what I'm and, saying. Like, and it, and point, we've invested an afternoon ahead of time. In advance of the movie, to pr- that's what we did with Pirates Five too. Is that we like watched the first four Pirates movies, so like we had invested an afternoon and then another afternoon and sixty dollars. And when he walked away, he liked it because you know it was spacey destruction stuff. But you know, I did not so much. <laughs> but I did not. I just now felt I like maybe they should like have tried a little harder. And or sixty dollars was spent. <laughs> yeah. So um. So yeah, but uh, uh, the reason we're going to post this so soon, we have a Guardians of the, of the Galaxy two review just just waiting for you guys to hear. But the reason that we are uh, holding out on that is that there is so much, there's so much news, dude. 
There's so much news right now to talk about. Apparently. Um, so you tell me. I've been living under a rock. Yeah. So you've been... Uh, for any of our local listeners in Washington, D.C., the Fringe Festival is coming. Um, there are scattered dates throughout the Fringe Festival of the of the lecture uh, with Sophie Miller. Um, that Spoiler alert. It's not really It's not really so, someone named Sophie Miller. It's actually Alexia um, <laughs> doing an amazing show based on the movie and play uh, uh, and stuff from that that you heard about us talk about like forever and yes. ever ago so um so she's been fairly terrified because it's a one woman show and she's never yes. done that and yeah so, so her whole life has been that right now so i have well, no idea what news you're talking about. in fairness you are kind of a one woman show just like in general <laughs> i appreciate like, you know what i think i'd be less scared if it was just like hey alexia get up on stage and just like talk to people for an hour i think i would actually be less f afraid of that y you know because it would just i would just yeah. be being me right so there's not i don't have a lot of thinking to do well and you have respect. this show to thank for that i mean that's i do like, this is absolutely why i would be because uh, i think like a few years ago when we first started i don't think that would have been true yeah no i don't either i think i would have been equally scared or, or perhaps even less scared um to do an, a, a, a character for an, an hour or whatever than i would be to be myself for an hour but i'm definitely yeah, I'm, I'm much more comfortable just and like this show plus honestly to some extent i think like get off my law just because i'm like older right I, I i have less fucks to give you know like if you don't like what i have to say fine gone then <laughs> but if people get up and start leaving like during the show because i'm not do people do that do job, people like at, i'm gonna at, like... feel very differently <laughs> yeah I think that I, given your track record, I think you're going to be spectacular. So that's my well, thank that's you. my I assessment. The vote of confidence of the situation. Um, okay, man. So much to talk so about. So catch uh, me up on these news, man. All right. So uh, the reason, the biggest reason, uh, uh, you know that there's a Han Solo movie that's coming, uh, supposedly uh, next. I did. I knew that, and summer. I know that you were like excited, and me not so much because I really, if it's not Harrison Ford, I'm like ah. Well, okay. So we're gonna talk. I think that's gonna get to where we're going, um, uh, because I think that that's a good question um, about what Han Solo should be. Uh, the basic uh, rule, the basic news is this. Um, the uh, the directors of so it was going to be co-directed by the same people who made uh, who made the Lego Movie. Um, okay. uh, the their names. The first one or the or the subsequent one or both? Uh, the the first one the the first one subsequent one is also really really good but the first one's like astounding. Uh, Phil yeah, no, Lord, I love the first one. I, I haven't I just haven't seen the second one. I I've heard you say it was good, but I love uh, the first one. Phil Lord and Christopher Miller who made that um and they've made other things too and their their track record is pretty great. Um uh out of the blue, out of the blue, um they were fired by Lucasfilm having completed almost 90% of principal photography. What? Fired. The writers oh, and directors fuck. of the movie, they were just like and it's it's Absolutely. What the actual fuck? Creative differences being cited. Kathleen Kennedy came out and said, yeah, it's basically not working out. And they were like, yeah, it's basically not working out. And yeah. So basically they had, they had shot all of it. And, and I guess it most was of it, contentious. Yeah. Almost mo most of it. It had been contentious throughout the shooting. And now I they're guess. like, nah, get out. Um, I think that what like as things are coming out, the idea is that they've directed mostly comedies, 
and uh, and what they are used to doing is a lot of improvisation on the set, blah, blah, blah. Well, Lawrence Kasdan wrote this script and he has also directed movies and he's very much like you you do what's on the page. That's what you're supposed to do. Um, um, uh, so... So he's so, one of yeah. these writers that is really just not having it if you change his shit. Well, it's Lawrence Kasdan, and and let's be honest, like Han Solo is not defined by the original Star Wars. Han Solo is really defined by The Empire Strikes Back. The Empire Strikes Back. When we think of Han Solo, the depth of Han Solo, the "I love you, I know," that's that's Lawrence Kasdan's writing. So Lawrence Kasdan has. Has reason to to be this way about his work. With George Lucas no longer involved in making Star Wars, he has almost more than anyone a reason to feel ownership over the Star Wars characters because, you know, the the Star Wars characters as we know them are largely defined by what he did in Empire and Jedi. So, you know, he has a reason to yeah to to feel to, the yeah, way he to does. have to, to be un unforgiving. Yeah, well, I guess of, of it, improvisation. When it comes to any improv, like, was there... I think what they do, what they're like, used to I doing... Mean, did he, did, was he present? Did he get to see any of it? Was it he, like, yeah, so he evidently halfway it through... Like, this like, makes the, it so different that it's not even the same anymore and it's not good. Well, the not impression right. I got is that, like, halfway... Like, like as the film was progressing... Um, they would send the dailies via the internet to be watched by the studio. And of course the studio is watching it carefully, right? Because it's like, this is star Wars. This is their, their right. biggest this is property. A big franchise that they fucking So people are know. watching it every day and there were concerns and there were concerns and there were concerns on the set about how improvisational it was. And then, um, and then there were, uh, like, like the the first edit happened and the cuz the editor's also been fired and the first edit happened and there was unhappiness with the first edit as well i was going to say like cuz that much of the movie shot editing could very well <clears throat> cuz i'm clear that i know you have an editor but the the directors are driving to some extent what the editor is doing or yeah. am I wrong about that? Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's my understanding. Like, well, I mean, yeah, they, they, they are, and, and so that's even, why it occurs to me that like there's the potential, right? That it wasn't like the shooting part is bad. What you shot is okay. It's what you're trying to cut together that's not. Well, it's okay. also look. I or mean, it's, it's especially <laughs> in a especially in a uh, in an effects driven film. Um, like you can't really like everything's going to seem silly until it's edited, right? Because like nobody's actually shooting lasers, nobody's actually you know flying ships, nobody's actually uh, yeah. And and you when know, you, and, and so, admittedly, so you you've got to have a lot of of um, imagination so, yeah. to get past. Uh, watching a bunch of people like in costume well, when you're just when you're doing just watching, shit in front of green screen and when you're just watching dailies you, it's hard to put that together but then you start cutting it together and in the dailies you can start getting a sense of what's going to be there and evidently they don't like they didn't like what was coming out um and i'm gonna talk about uh well so maybe they were a little more forgiving with the dailies because they're like well, well it's not done yet people let's... have said that uh that what they were doing is they were turning in uh in some the words that were used is turning Han Solo into a kind of an Ace Ventura type of character. Oh dear God! That's what they said, and that made me think that I can see 
how it would be easy to make that mistake. As a matter of fact, I think the first half of Han Solo in The Force Awakens does do that little. He's kind of... A little a, bit, it does. He's I mean, a little I, like bit I of said. a buffoon. He's a little bit of like a, 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 oh, I didn't do the job for you. Uh, which one? Uh, you know, like he was sort yeah, of... Yeah, I felt a little bit like... like that's why I'm saying like when, when it came to The Force Awakens, um, the we, one of the weakest parts of the film... Uh, in terms of storytelling, like I know I had you know issue with that. You know, Han in the first the half, whole, you know, fucking lightsaber with Finn thing first, but yeah, all, all that aside, like that's a much shorter sequence, right? Like it's a little fighty bit in the center there, but like I really felt like the whole thing on Han Solo's, you know, ship, ship. where he's yeah getting those weird eye tentacle things. Um, it, yeah, the whole thing felt particularly silly specifically uh, his conversation with the two like the yeah two and that's yeah, like, really it wasn't it wasn't so far off that i that that i immediately like, was like, this has not not hold that's not on solo but it was enough that it didn't really feel han solo -y. you know it felt like it felt like somehow uh like i can tell jj abrams favorite han solo bit was the moment when he's chasing the stormtroopers and the stormtrooper turns around and starts chasing him. You know, it's it's like or or yeah. blind or blind Han Solo. Like that's his favorite Han Solo bits. Um and to be honest, uh Han Solo was very much like Indiana Jones at his mo cuz Indiana Jones can be a buffoon sometimes. He really can. He can, but the thing is he's mostly capable. He's well, he's capable, but he's also he is much more of a buffoon than say Han Solo. Like, like, like Han Solo is most of the time large and in charge and has got to get going on. You know, one of the things that makes Indiana Jones so great is he's kind of fumbling through it half the time. Like, he's kind of like, like, yeah, because you've got, like, because you've got this character who's ostensibly a fucking a teacher, right? Like in a classroom teaching children how to do archaeology i presume or like for instance would you say cartouches or something <laughs> i don't know would but, you say that han solo in the force awakens more accurate more accurately represents han solo in star wars or more accurately represents uh uh indiana jones in indiana jones in the last crusade the second one yeah because very much you could see that han solo arguing with sean connery dad you yeah could never and that's and that shit's so great and that's my i mean i like i know um it's always been hard for me when it comes to the Indiana Jones uh, trilogy because it's there are only three movies. Um, that uh, it's always been difficult for me to decide. Like, is is the first one or the third one really my favorite? Just because the third one is so good. The third's my favorite, so much, without a doubt. The third is awesome. Like, there's so much to it, and it's like I know traditionally the first movie is kind of always the best. When it comes to the first is know, great too, but even the first, even the first, like the defining moment for Indiana Jones, I think, is when Indiana Jones jumps across the chasm at the very beginning, grabs the root, and he's like, "Ha ha, I got it!" And then the root starts coming out, and he's like, starts clamoring for it. Like he's he's kind of a he's kind of a dork sometimes. Yeah, and, I mean that's what I'm saying. Because like, you're talking about a guy who's like, and is is really a teacher, but then he winds up going on these like sort of adventures and so you don't really expect him to be that capable right you like he's um no i don't want to say inspector gadget but he's a little bit 
he's not really that guy. The guy out in the field, that is a teacher trying his best to like preserve archaeological finds or or what have you. And he's not fucking James Bond out he's there. He's just remarkably he, lucky. He's I mean, know, he is exactly capable. like he is the, capable, the but fate he's remarkably is on his lucky. side or the the goodness of his heart is on his side. But it's not that he's particularly it's not like he's Lara Croft for instance like who's training at home and all this other stuff like you get no sense of that it's that he somehow manages to get through it despite and I don't unbelievably resilient he's unbelievably brave Mm -hmm. um he's courageous he is he has got a lot of willpower and he's got a lot of luck but he is not like like so so going back to Han Solo. Solo on the other hand is you know especially when we first meet him the impression that we get is that he's kind of a badass. He's like an underworld smuggler guy. You know, he's not fucking around. So Yeah, and he has a heart of gold despite him. So here's the thing. I think yeah. that we all loved Han Solo so much that what happened is that when Chris Pratt star- showed up as, as Star-Lord... We started calling that Han Solo-esque, right? Didn't we? We all said, oh, yeah, he's doing Han Solo. I'm going to back off off that. No, he's not. I don't. Yeah, I don't think he is. I, and I, you know what? I could be, this could be one of those moments where I was like, did it, I didn't say that. I don't feel like I said that. But I think we but, all kind but of I do, thought I do that, believe. Like, yeah, I remember yeah. hearing that kind of being around, right? And I don't. I don't think that's accurate. He's a space he's, rogue. He's a space rogue. Agreed. But, but he well, is too silly to be Han Solo. Because Han Solo, thing, I never thing. got a sense from, from Chris Pratt's character in Guardians of the Galaxy that he was legitimately a well, scary you know badass at thing, any point. The worst thing that happened to Han Solo is Mad Mardigan. Because when Mad Mardigan came out, they're like, oh, he's the Han Solo of Willow. And let's be clear. No, he's not. He's the Star Lord of Willow. He is. <laughs> that's 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 what's happening there. And and but people made the connection. Um, and I'm not entirely sure. Mind. He's somewhere in between. You want to know why? Because Mad Mardigan is a badass in his own right. Like he's actually very very capable and actually like a, a, a badass in a fight and with a sword and all that stuff. Well, which, so is so is Star Lord. Star Lord's an amazing <laughs> pilot. Major shot. He's a He's, you know, he's, especially in the second one, he's incredibly capable. In the second one, I get the feeling in the second one of him being much more um, capable on that front than in the first one. But I, again, I don't get the same sense from that character. And it's, you know, we just, we haven't gotten a whole lot uh, of seeing his backstory. And I'm, I'm not saying he doesn't hold his own, generally speaking, in a fight, but Mad Mardigan is a little bit like Gamora in terms of fighting. Like, he's a legitimate badass. Now, he's also very irreverent and silly, but he is legitimately a badass. I would say that the most Han Solo, non-Han Solo that we got was Captain Malcolm Reynolds I th- on Firefly. I think that is the perfect blend of capability, buffoonery when it needs to be there, absolute confidence dark a, a dark streak when that needs to happen um the capability to be a bad guy han solo could be a bad guy but for his heart of gold and that's and that's also what you got with Malcolm yeah Reynolds. and when we meet him he's i mean like i said he's he's 
he's for himself you know it's and, and even when he leaves like you you're not surprised when he's leaving you're sad that he's gonna leave but you're not surprised by it yeah actually and when he comes back i mean you're so happy when he comes back to save the day but you get the impression that that there was some level of internal struggle there that he was he had somehow through his journey with the the, you know this sort of uh naive idealistic kid uh had been uh, having his heart strings tugged on uh against his will and therefore that shit like you get the impression that he left and that shit plagued him the whole time he was like leaving and finally was like ah, fuck i gotta go back you know but like begrudgingly well i can see that and you know for these i i feel for these directors because first of all it's got to be like it's got to crush your heart to be fired from a star wars movie like it's just oh, got god i cannot even, um, yeah like they're... and i can get how that would happen i could get how you know I could get how you're you're making your movie and you have an improvisational style and you've got a guy who can do good improv. And so on the set, moment after moment after moment, this guy does something you're like, holy shit, that's amazing. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, and you're, you're having like, a great time. You're having a great time. And you're and loving then, it. And it's fun. And it's, you know, the Han Solo movie was supposed to be the antithesis of Rogue One. It was supposed to be, you know. It was to supposed show- to be fun, yeah, because Rogue One is not, by any means, a fun film. The idea being that you can do different kind of genres within Star Wars, and this was going to be sort of the buddy cop movie um, with him and Lando, and with, and le- sure. like, and I can see that working on paper, but then I can also see on set you going uh, like moment after moment of oh my gosh, that's amazing! Oh dude, that's incredible! Yes, 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 yes! Oh my, that's perfect! I can see that happening. I can see I that can get- too. And then you know, I you're- can see that getting away from you. Yeah, when you're so close to it. Uh, it's very difficult, uh, I, you know, at least my experience with, you know, working on, you know, be it shows or independent film, whatever, you know, you're when everybody's having a good time and you're feeling good about stuff, it is difficult to take that step back and really be um, objective and crit- and super critical of what's going on, of what you've done, of what you've filmed. To ask yourself, am I making Star... Because they maybe were making a great space comedy. Maybe they were making the great next space comedy. Yeah, I mean, maybe they were making a really, you know, wonderful, like, space ballsy type movie, and it was awesome. But... That doesn't mean it's right for what they were supposed to be doing. Well, and this is the, you know, I heard another podcast talk about how, you know, this is the relaunch of... Han Solo, you killed Han Solo. You know, Han Solo ended, and now they're relaunching Han Solo. This, if this movie does spectacularly well, you can do more more Han, Han Solo, Solo movies, like that if, are, you know, prequels the, or whatever. If this movie becomes beloved, if you know, if this movie is yeah, disliked, then you can show him then, meeting Chewie. Yeah, yeah this uh, I, movie, I mean, I don't know if Chewie's in this yeah. one. I guess because you said it was like a you know thing with Lando, but yeah. But um, if this movie is disliked, then you can just go on to the next thing. But if this movie is loved, you've got yourself a new trilogy of films. Yeah, you've like, got so, yourself a new spinoff of films with um, a character that you know people love. Yeah, and if you're and if you're juxtaposing that, like if if Disney's whole idea of Disney's like, okay, we're going to be doing some Knights of the Old Republic stuff. We're going to be doing some some you know, I, I keep hearing they're going to do a Ben Kenobi movie, and that movie's going to be kind of a more serious, introspective western. We need. You know, we we need if that's going to be the medicine that goes down, we need a spoonful of sugar. So we need to go alternating years, serious Star Wars movie, 
fun Star Wars movie. Like like and and that that's the balance that they're trying to stri- strike by by going one than the other. Like Rogue One now more fun than you know Last Jedi. Yeah. That you, you know, and I could see them doing that. Um, and if this doesn't work, this maybe really fucks with their plans in a big way. Um, yeah. I mean, honestly, if this doesn't work, it fucks with their plans in a big way regardless. Because they think that the reality is any Star Wars movie, since they've got this big, you know, behemoth of Star Wars, that if something comes out that, like, is Star Wars at this point, just because they're riding high. I mean, think about what the prequels did to star wars as a franchise well and and this is also the so the other big question right is that is that you know they don't want to say that that rogue one was a was a fluke right rogue one being right the the one the one outlying non-skywalker based star wars movie yeah, like, like we're was... trying to build out this world so that we can have other, you know, in a lot of ways, it, you know what it it sort of makes me think of in terms of uh, the outline or the way it's sort of set up, like a like a book franchise. Like you know, there are book franchises out there where you have your main, you know, the first trilogy that comes out or whatever, and, and usually it's, this is like fantasy sci fi types types. Yeah. That's what I read. Um, and so you read those books and and they become good. And people like them and they do really well. So, but you've got this whole world now that you've created for those characters to inhabit. And that gives you the ability to, to now have stories in that world. Like, you, it's like, all right, I've, I wrote that story already. Like, I don't, I really don't have anything left to say about the journey of those characters. But I have this world that's really vibrant and people dig it. So now I can write this different story in that place. And people yeah. want to come to the place. And the place has a good vibe. And generally speaking, I trust if it's taken place there, I'm going to love that book. So you've got, you know, sort of world book series that are in the, like, sometimes 20 plus books. Sure, yeah. And it's, you, it's and, and and I think that that is why it's so important. So, so if you were to think of the antithesis of improv ways to go... Can I tell you who, because it was 24 hours later, who they got to direct the film? Ron Howard. Wow. What a change, huh? Like, to my experience, Ron Not Howard- Not a bad one, though. I mean, Ron Howard is- He's amazing. Fucking, he's fucking um, Ron Howard, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So, so I'm going to look up his, um, give me a second to look up Mr. Richie Cunningham. Because um, I'm in no way uh, worried- about a Ron Howard film, <laughs> like I okay. don't hear that name, and and I hear that name, and I, I have warm fuzzy feelings. I don't have any kind of negativity associated with. Well, it. let's see if there is negative negativity to associate uh, here. Okay, um, uh, let's look at what he's done recently. Uh, he directed um, a couple. All right, so his last big movie was uh, was a complete bomb, a complete bomb critically and and money wise, which was the third uh, the third um, what's that Tom Hanks thing? the uh, angels and demons oh, the, oh uh, yeah the, the, thing. the Dan Brown books yeah, the inferno I didn't see that one so I it, have no idea. neither did anyone else and the reviews were terrible. Um, but I then mean, it he, occurs to me though based on just the first movie, which is the only one I've seen, 
that the first movie wasn't even that good. So I don't know that Ron, like, to some extent, it's like, was Ron Howard enough to save whatever they had? Well, he, I, did, he did it three times. He could have said no. Um, okay, looking at uh, at beyond those you know snags in the last, let's say, three, four years, we do have uh, Frost, Nixon, Frost Nixon, The Da Vinci Code, Cinderella Man, The Missing, Beautiful Mind. Uh, we'll give him a pass for How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Um, uh, that was a bit garish. Uh, and I think he... You know, he learned his lesson after that because he made a beautiful mind right after it. Um, and a beautiful uh, mind is incredible. Good Lord. Ransom, Apollo 13, The Paper, Far and Away, oh Backdraft, Oh my God, Parenthood. Apollo 13. Sorry. Uh, uh, Willow, <laughs> Cocoon, uh, Splash. Oh, That's what I'm um, saying. Willow, Cocoon's what I love those movies. Yeah, this guy th- This guy. And Willow has is a really good... Willow's a great template. Well, I mean, I think that there there are a few things that I think that and the other point is, and I think this is important, is that some of these movies, I'm sure he made like, OK, I'm going to make another movie is what I do. It's his job. He gets up. To, but when he knows he's making um, Star Wars, you know that he's going to be, you know, 10 times more careful than he ever was. Like this is he's not going to. fuck. Yeah, that's Star why, Wars. like some of these later movies that you're saying didn't do that well. Um, They don't occur to me. uh Ron Howard may have directed them or whatever, but it, it, I don't remember. In my mind, it's not a, it's not like that was a Ron Howard movie, you know. So, it, just like any other profession, actors and directors, sometimes like you just they're paying you and you just do what they tell you because they're giving because it's a paycheck and you know that's your living. That doesn't mean every time it's something um, that's close to your heart that you really are jazzed about yeah. and that you put your all into. Well, frankly. and also keep in mind, this is a man who is shepherded by George Lucas. This is a man who, you know, like this is a man who, who, who will be invested. So I, yeah. it's just and so like funny I said, it, and, and a lot of like, when I think of Ron Howard, I get the warm and fuzzies because I think about, you know, sort of the, the eighties and all the great stuff he did then. And, and I think, that, and the nineties and the two thousands. Let's well, keep in mind that he won his Academy Award in the two thousand I mean this guy right, well, this guy's look go with me here. I'm I'm what I mean by that uh is with reference specifically to the Han Solo, to this Han Solo project. Because I believe um if what they're going for, if what the studio wants, if what this movie is meant to be, is fun. All those movies that he did in the eighties, I'm not saying like yes, he you know, a beautiful mind. He's done these these really spectacular, you know, Oscar worthy things. But di- let's not let's not mince words. A Han Solo movie is not supposed to be the Oscar winning movie. That's not the the tone, the feel, what you're going for. It it should feel like Willow. It's an adventure movie. It is a fun adventure movie with heart and soul. And agreed. That if it then he's perfect for that. Looking at his past and seeing that he did the shit out of that as a an idea, right? He, I mean, nailed it every single time when that was the, the case. So if that, I really feel like the Han Solo movie. What it needs is that, like you know, eighties, you know, early nineties, um, kind of fun to it. That's not what's fun. Is it? So to the other. The way we're the doing films now, yeah. you know what I mean. I I, I really. Well, the other I interesting think- thing about this is that is that um, they they're doing five weeks of reshoots. That's five weeks. That's that's a lot of time. Um, yeah. 
And uh, and I mean, in those five, that's weeks, not that but, bad but, though, considering that they were. But if you look at Rogue done. One, if you if you look at Rogue One, because they did that. Think about this: they did this for Rogue One too, didn't they? They they mm-hmm. like they Gareth Edwards got, and then they brought in Tony Gilroy. The difference being, Tony Gilroy was brought in to rewrite the movie, whereas Lawrence Kasdan who wrote them, I think they're going to go back and shoot what was on the page, but do it differently. If they do that, what's interesting is that they still have the footage that the other guy shot. So if they need a zinger, if they need a funny moment, like he can come yeah, in they'll and they'll have those already. Serious, they don't need to go for those that. now. Yeah. But it, 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 it then gets to, you know, who's credited as the director then at the end, if they've already shot as much as they've shot, like it's, it could be really interesting. I mean, I think thing you've got to give them credit skill. if you use, any of yeah. the stuff they shot, frankly. Yeah, it's that's. I it's, mean, that's. I get that you fired them, but that's that is in every way. If you're using things, if you're using any footage that they shot, then th- that's their work. That you have yeah. to give them the credit for that. You got to do it. Uh, um, I think that the, uh, I think that the other interesting thing that that comes out of this is, uh is the idea of the last Jedi where, where um, Ryan Johnson has said, and we've talked about it before that he has had no studio interference in what he's doing that like they've been, they've just let him do whatever it is that he's come up with. Um, I have to imagine that the reason that they, cause not even JJ Abrams said that um, I have to imagine that the reason that they're, they're letting him do whatever he wants to, when he comes up with it is that what they're seeing is great. Like it's got to be, it's got to be that it can't just be that they're totally hands off and not worried about it because clearly you see that they have the capability to watch and get worried about and change when necessary, the things that must be changed. So like, I've been a little worried when I hear like Mark Hamill going, I don't really disagree with, I, I don't really agree with what Ryan Johnson is doing. And other people going, Oh, I'm concerned about what he's doing. You know, I've had this fear that he's been operating within a vacuum to do whatever the fuck he wants. And that, like, Lucasfilm is just going to get what Lucasfilm gets. Um, you know what? Here's a- what it might even be that they saw enough or that they have enough faith or maybe he's some kind of golden boy to them and they aren't watching and he's just got he's just doing whatever he wants. But what I do what I do feel like, re- regardless, uh, is at the end of the day, I don't think they'll have any compunction about if he even if they are completely if he's working in a vacuum if that's accurate even if that's going on i don't think they'll have any compunction about they go it's time to see the thing and they watch it and it ain't right about going nope we're not releasing this this is not what we're doing like we're starting over we're doing this or this or that you know and it might be something that would happen later in the game if they're giving him that much freedom i don't know um but i don't think that they will ever be they will ever feel so backed into a corner like we just have to put it out the way it is. I don't think they'll ever do that. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I just, you know, I keep my fingers crossed um, that this is going to be a good thing. There's so much. It's so tumultuous uh, over there in Star Wars land. Um, I hope that it doesn't kill, you know, so far, like it's worked like rogue one, like the best thing they could have done is change. It. I think Gareth Edwards did a good job bringing the, the somber, serious tone to it. But I think Tony Gilroy, who very famously is the one who punched up the battle at the end and came up with everything that Darth Vader did 
also I felt felt like you needed those two things and they melded perfectly. Um, and so I'm hoping that that is the case here. Uh, I'm going to move on uh, to. Uh, a couple of a few interesting things uh, since we got to talk about Star Trek a little bit on our Star Trek podcast. Um, <laughs> uh, so um, there have been a few. Tend to do. <laughs> there have been a few bits of news uh, regarding uh, the uh, lovely upcoming um, the sure. lovely upcoming Star Trek Discovery. Um, the <sighs> first being, oh boy, really. Even the even the mention of Star Trek Discovery upsets you. You know what it does. It's you know what's interesting. I was um, I recently went to a friend's uh, wedding, and it was like you know fr- some of the friends in the wedding are you know, people that go way back with you know like high school, and like of course everybody knows my love of the Trek, and so we haven't spoken you know I've talked talked to a lot of them in a while in like quite a while. And so, like, the first thing they were asking me, so how do you feel about the new show? And uh, <laughs> and I'm making a face. And then they're like, you know, I think I'm a little more excited for Orville than I am for the... I'm like, exactly. <laughs> like, really? That's, that is... I mean, I told you the last time we talked about this when the trailers came out. Like, I am more excited for Orville than I am for Discovery at this point just because of everything that I've seen come out of it. The trailer, the all of it. Like, it's not... I'm, I am worried for my Star Trek. So Interesting. I'm really concerned about whatever new piece of hell you're going to drop. <laughs> now, let's be clear. You were also, I mean, I mean, to, to bolster your hopes, you were certain that you were going to hate Star Trek Beyond. Yeah, I was very scared were, based on the trailer you were for certain, Star Trek Beyond. Yeah. I was. I was very scared and it is, that they and were going to give us Fast and the Furious in space, and it was going to be terrible, and it was going to be all the bad things. And the and they only gave us hope the best. I held out on that was the fact that Simon Pegg uh, had written it, yeah. and he was you know, a Trekkie himself, and that gave me so, hope. So I don't know that I have we can say- that for this. Hopefully we can say the trailer is doing that to us, but we can put hope in Nicholas Meyer uh, for knowing what he's doing. There, here are a few things that might not make you happy, though. Uh, first thing first, uh, there's a universe changing decision at the heart of Star Trek Dis- Discovery where the new showrunner has said, we're trying to do stories that are complicated with characters with strong points of view and strong passions. People have to make mistakes mistakes that are going to be made in the future the thing we're taking from Roddenberry is how we solve these conflicts so we do have our characters in conflict we do have them struggling with each other but it's about how they find a solution and work through their problems now this is breaking uh, Roddenberry's big rule that the, the, the Starfleet officers should not be in conflict with one another now here's the thing this really upsets me I, I'm like I'm 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 really I have, but I have I long really railed against this here, rule. Dude, I got to tell you, like I've what? never, I've, I've never loved this rule though. This rule I've always felt was a problem. If you're saying something like that, what I'm, what the impression I'm getting is that this is Battlestar Galactica, and it does, and and you know what? There's nothing wrong with that show. It was a good show, and great. But that's not fucking Star Trek. You know, I'm I'm not I'm clear that it's not like every single episode everybody's getting along and, and there's never any kind of conflict amongst people uh you know on 
the ship and, and in Starfleet and whatnot, but that's not what this sounds like. You know, when there is conflict or when there's, there was always, a t first of all, there's not that much of it. For the most part, everybody uh, conducts themselves rather well. You know, I think one of the the times, even, and this is a great example, like the, the whole um, Barkley scenario. And they have a talk and the captain is firm and, and it's, and it's the, the, one of the few times you sort of see on, on the ship that like, no, not everybody just gets along. It's not, it's not that simple. We are still human beings. And what do you do? So, and it's not like people aren't human beings on the, on the, on the previous shows. But I think by saying something like that. I'm getting, it sounds to me like there's going to be a whole shitload of conflict. And that's not what fucking Star Trek is about. It's not what it's yeah. meant to be. And no, I don't I, fucking, I, I don't want that. I don't want them doing that in my fucking Star Trek, man. Like, it's not fucking hard. Do you know how much Star Trek there is for you to fucking watch and, and, and know how it's supposed to fucking be? Are you fucking kidding me? You seem like a big fan of conflict. Um, I think, I think I've I, always... Here's the thing, I have enough fucking conflict in my fucking life, okay? Like, and <laughs> I think the last thing this fucking world needs, like, I was really, so part of me, and maybe this is just me being overly idealistic and, and putting too much faith in my Star Trek and the power of it, but we're, right now, and, and I understand, you know, it's not like Star Trek Discovery is only being made for Americans, but America right now is in an incredibly divisive and, and kind of fucked up atmosphere at a baseline and and star trek could should be a way to to get past that to, to help bridge gaps to help other people under to, to help people understand each other like that is its purpose at its core man that's why roddenberry made it in the first place it wasn't just about having people up in space he was fucking trying to do something, something bigger than him, to speak about our our strengths as a race, our strength as a planet, and and what we could accomplish if we're all in this together. And I, I, I this sounds like you're like they're throwing that out the fucking window, and that right, makes here, me here, so, incredibly so, angry. So let me so so let me put this as a as an alternate way to look at it. Um, Deep Space Nine. There's plenty of conflict between the crew, like or, or on the show. Um, I mean, I maybe, yeah, I'm not saying I wouldn't say there's plenty maybe of not, conflict be, between the crew. I wouldn't maybe say not that. between the, the the Starfleet crew. Although there were, I I would say that Cisco yelled at people a lot. Kirk didn't, uh, but Cisco yelled at Jadzia. Cisco yelled at Worf constantly. Worf was in con in conflict with people all the time. Jadzia was in conflict with Worf. Ezri was in conflict with Worf. Everyone was in conflict with uh, with Quark. Uh, Odo yeah, Quark was sort of in not, conflict. Like Quark and Odo both are not Starfleet, but they're part of the crew of the show. So I think that, and that was not Battlestar Galactica. I will take it, take that you know forward into. Uh, into Voyager where there was no conflict among the crew really there were like everyone got along in Voyager they were all a family and that just didn't work that just didn't work well, I at think all. that didn't work simply because the setup they had on that show was that they theoretically were not when it began that you sure. had half 
a Starfleet crew and half a crew that had been Federation that had been. So they should have had conflict. So but they, they should have had it. And so the complete There's lack zero. of it is odd. And to you be know, clear, in that show, I would have welcomed some level of conflict between those two sort of factions, if you were, because it would be it would have been an opportunity. Like that was the idea, I, I assume, for the setup was the opportunity that it afforded to show that we had had this faction that started um, the Maquis and and that and we saw like with Roe even, you know, at the end of like or I guess not maybe not the end, but like towards the end of, of next gen that that we could that we could understand these people. They weren't bad people. You know, it was a that it was a complex situation. But you did see you did see characters in conflict. You saw when Data tried to helm the ship. You saw another guy that he was in conflict with. When you saw you saw uh, conflicts. You know, a conflicts would occur between. Um, I'm trying to think on next gen. Uh, you had Roe. You had uh, people who didn't have right. Faith and I, in, like I in, said when I when I started my rant. Um, I'm I'm not saying that there was never conflict between characters on Star Trek. That's absolutely not what I'm saying. There there was, but it's not. It wasn't. If I was describing the show, if I was talking about the show to someone, that wouldn't be top of mind. That wouldn't be the thing I was talking about. It wouldn't be. Oh, it's so great. The character. There's so much conflict between the characters, but it's so it's so interesting and gritty and real. Like yeah, that but here's the thing. Nobody. Say. Say, but here's the thing. But they're not saying that either. They're not saying gritty and interesting and real. No, they're but saying they're, that there but will but be some my conflict. My point is by calling it out. Like here's the thing. By the the very nature of human beings writing it right and human beings being involved in it, conflict's going to occur. Like it's. It is absolutely unrealistic to believe that there's no conflict ever, right? But, yeah, but that's what that was the stranglehold the hold that Rick Berman would put on Next Gen and put on Voyager and stuff. And I think maybe what they're and on Enterprise, I think that's the what they're speaking to is is the release of that strength. It's very famous. That's what I'm that saying by against. having that be by having it in, supposed to be in place. What winds up happening is that you still get the occasional conflict but you're but you're starting from a different baseline and that's what i'm saying by what you what you've just said to me this quote that you've just said is telling me that that is a different baseline which makes it a different fucking show which makes it a different fucking world frankly See, I don't see it as being all that. Deal. I see. I could like again if, simply I, because they're talking about it. If you are, if if you feel the need to address it in this way, you don't know. Then there's going to be but, so much conflict that it's going to be right. fucking Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, but with you don't know Federation that. Federation fucking again, slapped on top I, of it. I think that you're you're putting your own bias into it when you say that because honestly, could very well be that the interviewer said. What are you going to do about the fact that you're never been allowed to have conflict on the show? Well, they very famously there've been I'm the interviewer. Very fa I very famously there's been the rule of no conflict between characters and writers have had a real hard problem with that. And then the guy answers in the way that he answers. Well, we're going to have people with strong opinions, but it's going to be how they come together at the end, which is what he says. You know, it's what what he like so I don't know. Yeah, Here, well, think about it. Is would you ever use that to describe anyone on any of the shows? I mean, 
Yeah, on DS9, yeah, quite a lot, actually. The, the characters who are strong, uh, Odo and Odo and Worf. Odo and Cisco. Like, you Again, know, specifically. Odo is not Federation. He's, but he's part of the crew. So, I mean, it's, I think that, so, okay, here's, here's something that to be that clear, might, if he's talking about, like, not crew members, I'm just, I, that, it just, I'm very, I'm very wary based on that. And I was already concerned. So this doesn't give me a, any additional feelings of goodness. I've already, I already have sort of this feeling that they are off the track in terms of, of giving me what occurs to me as an actual Star Trek show. And this does nothing to alleviate that. And it only, it, it only intensifies it. That's what I'm saying. Maybe you're no. right. Maybe it's going to come out and, and everything's going to actually be okay. Yeah. What he said. Stuff so we do have, have our characters in conflict. Uh, we do, we do have them struggling with each other, but it's about how they find a solution and work through their problems. I, yeah, like I wouldn't say I, I would never I would never use that to describe any of the other shows struggling. But that's with the, each other struggling. Think of the word. Think of the word. That's drama one hundred and one. That's drama one hundred and one. Is that you? You drama comes from conflict. That's that's the yeah, first but, day of but it's time. always been conflict outside of them and and what their perspective is on said conflict. That's, that's always Star been Trek. the least interesting. That's always been the least interesting Star Trek for me. I've it's, it's always it's been, you know, the the way that characters come together when they have problems being apart. That's always been more interesting to me. Um, you know, and DS Nine did it a lot. DS Nine did like my favorite DS Nine episodes are about that in the pale moonlight, the siege of AR, or whatever. You know the you know what Nog went through. You know the they the characters were flawed. Cisco was flawed. Everybody was flawed on Deep Space Nine. They weren't perfect on Deep Space Nine. And Deep Space Nine is my favorite. Um, I would say that they were they were the most perfect on Voyager. Those characters were perfect. They were. I they don't were, think I agree with that. No, here's the, the oh here's the thing. They were with the exception of Paris. Everybody was kind of always right all the Blana? time. It was what. Bolana? Even Bolana, Bolana kind of lost her temper a little bit, but then ultimately she was kind of right all the time. Like it was just, it was, it be, bullshit, it, dude. That's not. That it is felt not like accurate. it felt like eating a bunch of saltines sometimes. And I thought you would agree with me on that. No, um, uh, to, uh, to be clear, I'm not trying to say Voyage is a good show. I'm, I am disagreeing with what you're saying right now that all the characters were perfect on on that show. That everybody here's was, here's was, some things I'm was make always you feel. right all the time, and everything was always good all the time. Like I couldn't stand. Bolana, because she was constantly fucking being a bitch and blowing up at people for no damn reason. I think and that it, happened like in the first season, and then it kind of went away. It, um, but it, it didn't, like you know. There, it, I think it their entire episodes where she's barely cling on. I think their entire episodes where she's barely cling on. Um, sure. I'm. I'm. My point being, that's not the. That's not what's wrong with Voyager. There's so many other things wrong with Voyager that have nothing to do with that. And DS Nine. Despite what you're saying, like, yeah, everybody's flawed and they're people. And so are so are so are the people on, on the Enterprise. So are the people, you know what I mean? Like, they're, it's not that people don't have flaws and that they aren't people. It's, it's that, by and large, they all agree on the way, the, on, on how to approach things. 
they are they aren't strongly opinionated in the other direction and when they are they've all like the reason they're all in starfleet is because they all believe in it and and the conflicts that you're talking about the struggles that you see on ds9 are the struggles that are missing from from voyager because you have two worlds colliding you have starfleet and the bajorans like and they're there on this you know not real like, like it's i guess ostensibly it's a, it's a federation outpost but they're trying to deal with a a planet that has just come out of a, a serious turmoil like generations of turmoil and you're seeing the conflict between their ideology the bajorans and the ideology of starfleet and that is okay that doesn't bother me and and the fact that sometimes people are people and they have their flaws that doesn't bother me either but be, if you're coming from a place of for the most part we don't there's no infighting we are on the same page and every once in a while there might be uh, something that that divides us uh, you know some issue that we're dealing with with a like alien culture or something where we we bring something a little different to the table and it you know sort of hits deeper that we have a little bit of conflict but if if we're coming from a place of everybody's really opinionated and different but at the end it's going to be fine then i feel like what we have is this dysfunctional family and to be clear i don't have a problem with that from a storytelling perspective i don't have a problem with that's not it's not like i wouldn't watch something like that like because that's pretty much what guardians of the galaxy is but it's not fucking star trek that's my problem okay well we'll have to table that for a little bit i want to talk, say some things that hopefully uh make you feel better here's one uh uh <laughs> when um one of the showrunners the other showrunner gretchen j berg uh, um, is asked about the influences in the series. And she says, there's a hint of all, all of them, but in the writer's room, people are so in love with the original series and Next Generation and talk about the family aspects of those cast members. That is something that I okay. like. That um, that does make me feel a little it bit It is better. also added. I mean, it I seems in direct conflict with the last thing you just said, but... I don't know. I, I would say that there's a lot of conflict within families. I think Nicholas Meyer's film is, uh, f films are a touchstone, and not just because he's been on staff with us. His storytelling is complex and intellectual, and yet there's a lot of room for character voices and character work. He's done such an incredible job with the franchise. Um, again, uh, things that I think are interesting. Now, there are... The thing yeah, those that, things, those two things that you just said don't upset me. Now, here's one more thing. Uh, I'll just read you the, the top of the article that is makes me smile. Jonathan Frakes to direct an episode of Star Trek Discovery. It <laughs> <laughs> just makes me happy. That does just make me smile. It makes me it's, so it's happy. Without any... Um, <laughs> it's, just like it's, it's just... <laughs> You know, I'm voluntary. You just hear that and you smile. <laughs> now, now, let's be clear. I'm going to watch all of it, whether or not I like it, whether or not I think it's good. I'm going to watch all of it. I will. I will yeah. watch every single episode. Yeah. And I hope I hope I expect the first few episodes to stumble in the tone department. I do. It's, it's very hard to establish your tone in the first few episodes. I will give it. A, and I know that everything I've read is that the first episode that we've seen for the trailer and everything, that ship that we've seen, um, uh, the Shenzhou, uh, everything we've seen so far is not Discovery. We have not seen Discovery yet in the trailer. It's, that's all from the first episode. And that in the second episode, um, 
Discovery becomes part of it. And that's why you have not seen Jason Isaacs, the captain of the Discovery, in any of the trailers so far. Um, that uh, that the, it becomes Discovery sort of in the second episode. They call it their second pilot. Um, huh. So maybe, I mean, it's, it's I'm hoping... You know, I mean, the, yeah, I'm obviously going to watch it. I just hope I'm not going to be unhappy. Yeah, and I, I would, I would ask this: allow yourself, even if you're unhappy with the first couple episodes, to let them find, you know, dick around a little and find their voice, because because a, a lot of a lot of shows do. A lot of shows with great pilots end up not being great end shows. Up not I, being good in the end. Well, I would say Voyager had a stronger pilot than next gen had a had um some people say i i kind of maybe agree a stronger pilot than ds9 it came in it looked professional the characters were kind of defined they they had an interesting story i would say yeah, Voyager, they had, they had a, an interesting hook yeah i would say Voyager it had, a had one of beginning. the best pilots and then didn't do it ds9 had a weird pilot next gen's pilot was bad i think i mean encounter of farpoint is it's it's not great it's not on their top 10 episodes. It's it's I mean, just because it's not on their top 10 episodes, we're talking about seven seasons of episodes, dude. Like what the My fuck? point being, my point being that that <laughs> Of course season, it's not the, the best out of the, you know, season the 1 is lar- season 1 is largely, you know, considered to be the worst of the next gen seasons, whereas Heroes season 1 or Lost season 1 is considered to be the best. Strong pilots both. Um so I will give them a little well, time true. to find their voice. Um you know, because it's... I mean, I, I, to be clear, um, if it's, if it's bad and I'm not liking what I'm saying, I'm going to rip it up. That's what's going to happen. And, and I, and I'm hoping, like, because I think in this, something we have now that we, that I don't think we had with any other Star Trek on television, not even Voyager, even though it was kind of later and, and we did have the interwebs and stuff, I think. Um, we don't have what we have now where there is, very like you see this a lot in video games where they're listening they're like when they put out a game where they you know they listen to the community the people that are that are playing it that are involved in it and they do shit based on that and now i'm not saying that they all you know that everything is is somehow just because people are saying this or that every, you know that they're in charge but they have that barometer which is a good thing to have and i think you can it's fairly easy to to spot you know just your internet trolls that are just trying to get a rise out of people versus genuine concerns and and sort of taking the pulse of the people who are are your audience and that will give them the ability to change things for the better if they're paying attention so yeah, well, I, I mean, I hope in this case, the, the they're hearing, you know, they're hearing us now. The entire, you know, season will be, you know, mostly done by the time it, the first episode airs. So, you know, hopefully, you know, I know they're big Trekoff fans. I know they're listening to us right now. So <laughs> they are. Hey, guys. They fucking should be. I'm going to tell you what, if I was working on a Star Trek show, I'd listen I to would Trek-off. be listening to, to any star trek related stuff i would be looking at star trek related websites and i would be listening to star trek related podcasts you know that's a really good point i think that uh because it would be how inexpensive would it be for them to get sort of a uh two advisors right two advisors that they pay you know that that they pay you know almost minimum wage they're paying you know twenty thousand dollars a year thirty thousand dollars a year and their job is to do nothing but to spend 40 hours a week listening to star trek podcasts uh 
in advance and to just give a sense of the vibe. Yeah, and check it out like Star Trek websites and and when news drops, how people are reacting and what people's Uh, thoughts are. A drop in a drop in the bucket of uh, a drop in the bucket when it comes to the the budget of the whole show. Yeah, and a really good way to gauge what you're what you're what you're putting out and people's reactions to it and, po- and potentially adjusting if you're off the fucking mark like it's yeah just, someone who's that's willing to smart deep dive. business as far as i'm concerned yeah so um hey everybody listening now can you just email paramount for us and let them know they should be listening <laughs> to our show um hopefully they don't listen to the sticky kirkweb shows because they're gonna be what the hell is this even this show they'll go why the fuck are they talking about han solo um yeah, I mean, tell them whatever the time code is for this. Yeah, part. I know. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. Yeah, they talk about kind of whatever, you know. Um, okay, well, uh, that is uh, all the Star Trek news. Uh, hopefully, next week we're uh, we're giving you uh, your Guardians of the Galaxy review that we recorded like a month ago. Um, but uh, for now, my name is Justin. <laughs> my name is Alexia. Trek off. Trek off, bitches. Hey, you know what makes us different than all those other podcasts you listen to? We have a movie. There's a movie of this podcast on Amazon Prime right now. Just go right now on Amazon Prime and go look. Check it out. Just search for it. There you go. There it is. Trek off. One word. Just search for Trek off on Amazon Prime or Amazon Instant Video if you want to rent it. If you don't have Amazon Prime as a subscription or if you want to buy the DVD, it's there on Amazon. But seriously, this podcast, you got all the way to the end. Now go watch us and give us reviews and tell the world, man, a podcast got me made into a movie, man. How cool is that? Go look it up and share it. Love you guys.